BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Matt Splained and I'm Rich Bradbury. 2023, so bad, they named it once. Really? Three weeks off air, and that's the best introduction you can give me. It's the Matt Splained review of 2023, of course. Hey, Rich. Well, okay, first, uh, a quick apology, not to Richard, because he doesn't deserve one, um, but to uh, our listeners. So, um, yeah, this is our, our first show in quite a while, a, a combination of uh, COVID and Christmas holidays. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, normally I'd do this roundup in December, but uh, in December, uh, the only thing that I could do was uh, wheeze and uh, contribute to the profits of uh, Big Paper. Is there a big paper? Oh, yeah. Uh, The paper companies actually coined the phrase military-industrial complex to shift attention away from themselves. Uh Uh, They've locked up the cure for the common cold since about the mid-1850s. Why do you think we keep seeing all these mutations in the cold virus? You know, our bodies adapt to it so fast that big paper has to keep putting new ones out. I mean... Virus is evolving. Things don't evolve. Things are made. They stay that way forever. But big paper keeps putting out new viruses to keep us hooked on their snotty products. I'm just wondering if I should give you a tinfoil hat for the rest of the show. Um, Anyway, (laughs) are you going to tell us then that big paper was responsible for COVID? No, that was actually Q. Uh, Q invented COVID to expose big paper. And Mm -hmm. don't even get me started on the uh, laxatives that these companies inject into the soil and water to infect our food chain, because everybody knows that healthy bodies absorb all the food and liquids they consume. Mm. Our bodies don't excrete anything unless they're chemically induced. That's why people vomit. That's how food is supposed to come back out. All of this just to sell us tissues and toilet paper. Q, of course, knew it would take something global to expose their crimes. (sighs) Okay, so not only is Matt Splained now in a new time slot, of course, uh, which, just so you know, is 11 a.m. on a Thursday, um, this seems to be and is the new format, cranky old guy in a chat room. Oi, we're official. We're mainstream. We've got our own subreddit. (laughs) (laughs) Do do we? (laughs) Yeah. uh, No. no, Okay. Obviously, all of that's nonsense. Uh, that should be obvious, but for, for legal reasons, I, I have to clarify that uh, uh, none of that's true. And if Richard edits this part out, I'm really going to be in trouble. Well, you could well be in some trouble indeed. Um, do I edit it out or do I keep it in? I don't know. How's your visa looking right now? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get to some actual things that we might have learned then over the past few months. Well, as much as I enjoyed that, uh, I think a a satirical show about imaginary conspiracies would be absolutely great fun to do. Yes. uh, uh, On a more serious note, you know, disinformation and conspiracies, though not new to 2023, have, of course, really proliferated and spread. Uh, Look at all the contested and disputed elections over the last year Mm -hmm. and this ongoing, you know, polarization and factionalization of the internet. Uh, mm. Is factionalization a word? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was wondering if it was something that the dictionary industrial complex was uh, trying to cover up. Move on. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the point is 2023 wasn't a great year in terms of tech positivity. 
Uh, and, you know, so this is 2024, new year, new slate. And I don't want to harp on the, the negatives. Mm. Uh, well, I do, but, you know, I've been told not to. One of uh, BFM's uh, shadowy security goons is standing behind me with a taser to make sure I stick to the script. Yeah, and you're not sticking on script. Can we just keep carrying on? <laughs> yeah, but I'm having so much fun. Um yeah, so I thought, let's try and do the negative stuff now, and then we can do the kind of more positive and forward-thinking stuff after the break. Uh, so we're going to start, of course, with Twitter, um, mm. because nobody wants to call it X. Uh, for the past couple of months, I've lost count of the number of articles I've read that have the phrase death spiral in the headline or text. So... The question is, will Twitter survive 2024? Mm. Um, Elon Musk seems intent on transitioning the, it into some kind of everything app. Uh, but actually, I, I read something just before coming uh, to record that Twitter lost another 10% in value in November this year. So I think it's possibly down by around 70% since he since wow. he bought it. Sort of, what was it, nearly two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Musk seems to want to, to transition it into some kind of everything app, uh, and I think he said something in a you know a public appearance back in September October, um, saying that X will replace banks in 2024, which is you know quite a statement. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if anyone thinks that's going to happen because you know financial transactions are all about trust. Uh, like a lot of people in Malaysia, I've used you know, a bunch of the payment wallets, but I don't trust them in the way that I trust banks. And that's not because I'm old and keep my money in magic beans in a plant pot. I thought um, you kept them on your mattress. No, not since I got no? the beans. Ah. Um, largely, it's old <laughs> enough. Um, I'm old enough to know that, you know, everywhere you keep money has to be covered by deposit insurance wherever you reside. Mm. You know, even with the, the big internet banks, if they're not actually domiciled where you are, there can sometimes be problems for, for customers if those banks fail and you live somewhere that they're not registered. That could possibly be the single most boring sentence that you've ever said on this show. <laughs> I know, and I know people tune into this show for the adrenaline rush. It's, you know, the oral equivalent of uh, uh, jumping out of a plane wearing one of those lycra squirrel suits. Um, but, you know, <laughs> this is... Very specific. <laughs> this, is, this is a business station, so uh, I do have to pretend to talk about financial stuff once in a while. Um, plus, you know, I don't really look good in one of those lycra squirrel suits. <laughs> That's why it's specific. Um Although my wife and I did once go to a party dressed as, I think it was a chipmunk and she was a lion. Uh, and people posed for pictures with us all night without ever realizing who we were. They assumed <laughs> that the hosts had just arranged for us to be part of the uh, the entertainment. I don't know what kind of entertainment you should have been. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So, um Elon Musk. So that's why yeah. I went off on a tangent because I was bored already. Um, banking is all about trust. So for me, X has not demonstrated sufficient levels of operational competence over the mm. last couple of years for me to even want to use it for video calls, which mm. of course is a, a new feature you can now do, um, let alone give it my money. So again, we come back to that question, is it going to make it through 2024? Well, the biggest obstacle to the platform's success is 
or seems to be anyway, its owner. Uh, for some reason, he seems to think that his platform is owed the advertisers money yep. and he seems dumbfounded that paying customers the advertisers don't want to see their products alongside you know certain users or comments isn't that part of the whole free speech aspect though well as much as we talk about you know free speech and brand activism and i'm going to get boring again now uh what a lot of uh, advertisers are doing with respect to, to Twitter, it's not activism. It mm. is just free speech. Mm. They're protecting and promoting their brands. And they're freely choosing how and where they do that and how they spend their money to do that. And Musk, as owner of some of the world's most valuable brands, I'm sure, well, I'm positive, knows that only too well. Mm. So when he curses and names people on stage, it really is theatre. Mm. And I can't really figure out what the end game is. You know, is this some elaborate multi-billion dollar losing piece of performance art? Or has Twitter somehow addled or, or rattled Musk? I really don't know. But one thing we do know, he has the money to keep the company running in 2024. So the question really, I think, is going to be, is he going to want to? Right. What about the alternatives then? We saw, you know, Mastodon, Blue Sky, Threads. Well, I mean, you know, Mastodon and Threads that I joined and, you know, I mean, you know as well, it's just tumbleweeds. Yeah. Yeah, you go yeah, there yeah. and it's just, you know, nothing's happening. Um, now, personally, I've been off social media a lot over the past 12 months. Actually, I checked uh, I checked your posts recently and uh, you've, yeah. you've not been... I've been very quiet. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, I think later in the year, I'm going to to look into whether that's kind of symptomatic of kind of our behavior or whether that's mm. a, a sort of a, a wider trend. I, I, I think uh, for me, certainly, it was I, I just got so inundated with having to check my social media all of the time, one way or another. That in the end, I just I was just like threw my hands up in the air and said, you know what, I'm just not going to do it for a while. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's got to the point where the the only kind of video clips that I see now are on my Facebook, and it's usually of red pandas. I don't know why, well, um, but I mean, there I'm you not go. the algorithm yeah. doesn't lie, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll look into that some uh, a bit more over the the next few months, um, and we'll we'll kind of look at how it kind of dovetails with AI and what the mm. place for sort of text and picture-based social media is in this kind of era of artificial intelligence and, and video. Mm. Um, but I do wonder if if that is one of the things that Musk's holding out for, mm. that the exodus of users and advertisers from Twitter proves to be temporary simply because there isn't anywhere else better to be. But at some point, we all kind of revert to the default settings and head back to those accounts that have been dormant for a while. So I genuinely don't know. Um, a bit more, well, not really about Musk, but Musk adjacent. So um, we'll go from sort of Twitter to electric vehicles. I don't want to talk about Tesla specifically, but I do want to kind of look at this kind of softening in demand that we've seen for the first time in a number of years for electric vehicles, and especially in the US, reports of, you know, huge numbers of cars being left on 
manufacturer and, and sales mm. forecourts. Do you think maybe in part this is because of the uh, rising cost of electricity? I think obviously that's that's one part of it. So EVs, as we know, they're generally more expensive than petrol and diesel equivalents. So aside from the environmental cost saving, it, owners expected to recoup some of that overspend through using electricity. So mm. having those reduced operating costs. Uh, during a cost of living crunch, especially where energy costs are rising, people have to rethink that cost disparity. Right. And of course, also we're seeing that those kind of early generations of EVs using the, or, or rather reaching the end of the lifespan of their batteries. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look like a lot of automakers are actually ready for that. It's not always clear how much replacement um, battery packs cost. Uh, I mean, I saw uh, something recently, I think it was um, a guy who had an EV in Canada and uh, it was damaged when he went over a speed bump or something like that, the battery pack underneath, and they wrote off the battery pack. And Oof. when he got the cost for the battery pack, it was more than the cost of buying a new car. Yeah. 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 So, but again, they don't seem to be standard prices for these, and they seem to change from sort of place to place. But of course, battery technology marches on. So how long are the manufacturers going to make replacement packs that are compatible with their older cars? Mm. And of course, when we buy a car, we look at it having a much longer tail than the use that we get from it. We buy them with a view to trading them or selling them when we want to buy a new one. But that comes back then to, is there even any residual or tradable value in an old EV because of the battery issues. You know, and, and to be fair though, Matt, you've never really been a fully committed supporter of electric vehicles. Well, again, you know, it's it's one of those partisan subjects, isn't it? Yeah. It's either you're for EVs or against EVs. It's like, you know, you're a petrol guy or you're an electric person. So I've kind of maintained my position in environmental terms, sure, they're better, but I don't think they're a solution uh, or a long-term mm -hmm. solution to, to our transport needs. Uh, certainly with the kind of battery technology they currently use, um, lithium-ion batteries, they're heavy, they're delicate, they're slow to charge. They have this limited lifespan. Yeah. So long-term, we need something that is more robust, more user-friendly. Now, that could be electric, that could be hydrogen, it could be something else. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned to me you were recording with him earlier today, actually, but um, Daniel Fernandez, the, the editor of uh, DSF.my, um, he's doing a really good job of covering electric vehicles in an even-handed way. He highlights the good. Um, he also shows the bad. So if you are interested in, to, uh, the, in you know, this stuff, listen to his shows, read the website, follow his socials. Um, you know, and one of the, the, the issues that I, I read about with EVs, and maybe it's kind of the most pertinent for this show, is that actually one of the reasons for um, all these cars on the forecourts is the rising number of orders that are cancelled before the cars are delivered. Right. Is that because of uh, uh, long lead times then? 
Yeah, and this is a, a, a particular failing of the automotive industry that we've talked about in the past. You know, with carbon fuel vehicles, with, you know, petrol, diesel, mm. changes in the cars from year to year tend to be incremental. So you might get, you know, a better entertainment system, um, slightly faster and more efficient engines. The brakes might be a bit better. You know, just the small stuff, a, a point something off the not to 100 kilometers here, an extra airbag there. In electric vehicles, that's flipped. You see mid-priced cars with supercar performance. You yeah. see these radical interior redesigns. You see these automatic and self-driving systems, particularly when it comes to the Chinese EV manufacturers, which are now starting to to push into international markets. You know, they they've kind of saturated the Chinese very market. heavily. Very heavily. I mean, they're you know going apace into um, into Europe and, and North America. Mm. Um, so this goes back to, you know, an issue I was talking about earlier. Cars are basically tech products now. Mm. Um, mm. So if you put your name down for a car, if you don't get instant gratification, a better model is going to come out next month or the month after that. You know, you wouldn't expect to still be waiting for your iPhone 14 months after the iPhone 15 has been it is, released. It's very interesting that you say that. You know, Xiaomi uh, just announcing that they're releasing a, a vehicle as well very soon. Exactly. And and we're seeing this blurring of technology companies and automakers. And that's something we should be seeing. Yeah. You know, it's the, the kind of monolithic or traditional automakers are the ones that are struggling in, in this, this world. Mm. Um, and I think, as you say with Xiaomi, these kind of upstart automakers, the Teslas, they have a better understanding of the technology culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Apple's products are great because the software is as good as the hardware. Mm. I mean, it might not always be as good as, as Android, but I don't know if a lot of car makers understand that the software has to be as important as the yeah. hardware. Yeah. Uh, or if they really understand as well the attention span, you know, how fleetingly technology-based products hold our attention until we lust for that newer, better thing. Ooh, I don't think we've ever ended a segment on lust before, Matt. Uh, with that unsettling thought, uh, let's take a short break. Of course, you are tuned into Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Matt Splained. And so far, uh, we've highlighted a lot of conspiracy theories uh, and pretty much ignored the AI elephant in this studio. I mean, I don't think that's a, a really nice way for you to describe yourself. You know, we all put our, <laughs> on a bit of weight over the holiday period, but there's no reason to be so down on Speak yourself. Speak for yourself, mate. <laughs> anyway, go on. Yeah, I'm going to have to work on the humour part of the year. I'm using jokes from the 1950s now. 
Um, yeah, so artificial intelligence. We have to talk about it, but if I start now, that's going to be the rest of the show gone. Yeah, so yeah. let's race through some other stuff first. Uh, let's start with space. The final um, frontier. Yeah, uh, more amazing images and discoveries from the John Webb Telescope throughout last year. I mean, we could genuinely do a full episode just on what the telescope sent mm. back last year because it changes what we know about our universe it changes what we know about physics it deepens our understanding of our place in the stars mm. and i know that might sound esoteric when you know wars are breaking out when economic conditions are uncertain when we can't get a handle on the behavior of the climate but those are precisely the times where expanding our knowledge is so critical so uh, in September, thanks to the, the John Webb, we discovered that a planet about 120 light years away, uh, snappily titled K218b, obviously the mm. people who do New Scientist headlines also name planets. <laughs> no, it um, would be longer than that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I might have abbreviated it a bit. Um, anyway, we, we discovered that this uh, it's an exoplanet. Um, it has methane and carbon dioxide in its mm. atmosphere. And it's thought that the atmosphere itself may be hydrogen-rich, uh, with oceans of liquid water, very low ammonia content. Um, is it capable of supporting life? Well, we don't know yet, but it does seem to have a lot of the requirements, as I said, low ammonia. Mm. Um, one of my favorite stories, and I think this might have been from the Hubble rather than the, the James Webb, uh, was uh, the discussion about ribbon galaxies and runaway supermassive black holes that we uh, covered on yep. one of the Weird Science episodes. So yep. um, you can check out our show archive for, for more on that one. But the, uh, the Webb has discovered uh, new galaxies that question our theories about the early formation of the universe following the Big Bang we've been able to see some of the largest and earliest black holes because that's that's one of the, the weirdest things about these telescopes. We're not looking at the present. We're looking mm. at the past. Mm. You know, we're seeing things that are basically memories from billions of years ago because yeah. the light has taken so, so long to reach us. Um, so, yeah, some of the largest and earliest black holes. And the telescope is so powerful, it can even detect molecules in space dust <laughs> um so we've uh we've actually discovered and been able to observe new carbon-based molecules in space dust which is i mean that's just it's crazy mind bending yeah yeah um all of this is happening while you know we're being distracted by the latest x intelligence from elon musk yeah I I think it is worth pointing out that the Webb Telescope is also helping us to learn more about our own solar system. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's not just about the outer reaches of the organic metaverse, which is what I'm calling space from now on. Um, we're still learning uh, about, you know, the, literally the street that we live on. Yeah. Uh, because of the web, we now know that there's CO2 in the oceans on Jupiter's moon Europa. Um because of the, the different spectra that the uh, Webb telescope can take its pictures in, including, including, you know, infrared and beyond infrared, we're getting clearer pictures of the planets around us, um, which is allowing us to see them with more clarity and greater detail. Uh, this year, we had pictures of Saturn's ring system that are really detailed and, and individual, not this kind of, you know, 
fuzzy glow yeah, around yeah. A, a big orb. We can see in detail the the, the rings. Um, we've even been able to see some of the, the scores of moons that uh, that Saturn has for the, the first time. We discovered uh, an enormous high-speed jet stream on Jupiter. And when I say enormous, it was about 3,000 kilometers across. Mm. I mean, that is that is big. And again, we've discovered it for the first time with this telescope. Mm. I mean, just astonishing, astonishing stuff. All right. Now, before we do get to AI, which is inevitable, um, what about a quick rundown of some of the uh, more advances and breakthroughs back here at home on Earth? Uh, well, the US approved the cultivation of lab-grown meat in June. Yum, yum. Um, I think they're the uh, uh, only the second country to do so. I think the other country is Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, the jury is still out on whether we can scale um, lab-grown meat uh, in an environmentally safe manner uh, and whether it will be safe from disease and contamination at, at scale. Um, but the hunt for, you know, friendly, eco-friendly protein continues. Uh, researchers published the largest maps of the lung and brain in 2023. In October, the Diaspora Human Genomic Institute uh, announced a plan to create a database of genomes of people who aren't white men. Wow. Um, you know, that's a, that's a distortion that has plagued medical yeah. and scientific research for decades. You know, most of most of their records are basically based on people who look like uh, you and me. Mm. Uh, so it's hoped that this could um, democratize health research and lead to you know, more versatile medicines and treatments that actually represent all of the inhabitants of the planet rather than you know, just me. It's unusual for you to be happy and to turn the spotlight away from yourself. Well, I'm looking at myself in the broader collective sense. You know, ah, at an individual level, I'm still an attention-hungry egotist. Nothing has changed there. Um, phew. We, phew, yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want too much change for 2024. No, um, It's the first week. Can we get through it at yeah. least? Um, we have also seen last year breakthroughs in transplanting cryogenically frozen organs. Now, that hasn't reached human trials yet, um, but this is a technology that could ensure uh, closer matches of donated organs to recipients. Mm, so mm. Um, less reduction, uh, more people receiving um, successful transplants. Uh, two CRISPR gene editing treatments were authorized in the US at the end of the year to treat sickle cell disease. So, you know, literally just cutting it out. Uh, Legembi, uh, sorry, Lekembi, the first drug to treat Alzheimer's was also given uh, full approval in 2023. Now that works by targeting the, the plaque that forms in the brain that uh, is uh, what is thought to affect memory and thought. Mm -hmm. um, so what it does is it, it, it doesn't attack it as such it marks it. it it puts like a genetic marker on it so the body's own immune system clears the plaque away yeah. from from those areas uh we also saw an mrna based vaccine for treating uh pancreatic cancer get to uh clinical trial stage and of course we've seen you know ai expand to be used in all sorts of treatments um 
to refine the, the possibilities at early research stages, but also increasingly in diagnosis. Uh, and uh, a pilot trial at Imperial College London found that using uh, AI as part of the diagnostic process uh, led to the detection of 24 more cancers in the pilot scheme and led to uh, 70 other women being recalled for further investigation than would have been found just with uh, human diagnosticians or clinicians alone. Wow. Um, you don't want to talk about bed bugs? No, I don't. Um, uh, I mean, you know, apparently there was an enormous was big bug. It was a big thing. Yeah. Um, I think the media was a bit bored. But, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you for diverting me away from uh, AI. Um, you've done a really good job of running out the clock and that's not sarcasm um my obsessions have to be put on a you know a limited time basis um now i don't really want to talk about what ai has done in 2023 because that's kind of obvious uh everything and nothing according to, mm. to some people uh we witnessed the astonishing and messy open ai saga with uh yeah. CEO Sam Altman being summarily dismissed and reinstated. Again, I read today, even despite all of that, uh, apparently the company made about 1.8, was it? Yeah, was it 1.8 billion yes. uh, they did in revenue last yes. year? Yes, yes. Absolutely astonishing for, you know, a, a company that really nobody had heard of much before kind of the yeah. spring of last year. Um, anyway, we're... We're definitely uh, going to feel the reverberations of everything that happened at, at OpenAI in 2024. You know, uh, CEO Sam Altman being dismissed mm -hmm. and then reinstated, and Microsoft and it was a, a mess. Of, it was yeah, it was a mess. Um, now, just going away from AI for a second, it's it's another Careful. notable mention. Crypto kind of continued to implode in 2023. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty of criminal fraud over the collapse of FTX, the exchange he co-founded. Uh, unusually, he decided to actually give testimony on the witness stand, um, and that was largely judged to have been absolutely disastrous. Uh, he faces sentencing of up to 110 years uh, in prison. That's going to happen, I think, sometime in March. Uh, Champeng Zhao, the founder of the crypto exchange Binance, he pleaded guilty to money laundering charges in the US in November and has agreed to resign as CEO of the company. And the company itself uh, also accepted uh, money laundering charges and a fine of $4.3 billion. Quite a year. So uh, what are we doing with AI then? Well, again, like I said, not going to run through all of the things it did and didn't do last year. So maybe we should just spend the last few minutes talking about what it will or what it could do this year, 2024. I'm all right with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say what we can expect to see because really it's the things that we won't expect to the ones that are going to be the most interesting. Yeah. Um, just starting at the basic level with sort of chatbots, service agents, more of us, I think, can expect to have virtual assistants helping us at work this year. Now, um, earlier you were talking to me about uh, the new 
Oculus and, yep. uh, you know, its uses for, for productivity and that kind of combined with uh, that kind of technology combined with AI is going to open mm. up the, the kind of workplace. Um, so we're going to see these tools being integrated more tightly into things like video and virtual meeting software. Uh you know, things like um, screen sharing on command rather than messing around for 10 minutes trying to get the right window up yep, and yep. Uh, saying to everyone, can you see my screen? Can you see my screen? <laughs> yeah. um, live search of information, whether from internal or public sources. Um, we may also see, as I mentioned, Oculus, we may see some of the metaversians resurface to tell us that uh, AI is the gateway to the VR work life. Um, on the subject of meetings, I read a really interesting piece over the break about meeting culture. Um, let me check my notes. Yeah, l uh, look for Gene Mark's Meeting Whisperer uh, on The Guardian. Um, but essentially, the piece is about uh, SMEs keeping their productivity rates high by not having meetings. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Uh, and we've seen, you know, this kind of recent round of layoffs at multinational corporations globally. And... It's not for sure, but it may be partly attributed to the realization that there is a chunk of employees that effectively do nothing but go to meetings. Um, so I think, you know, 2024, no output, no job. How's that for binary determination? Mm. Um, what else can we expect from AI? Wait, wait, I'm supposed to be asking the questions. I know, Hello. you're a bit slow on that one. Um, <laughs> this will uh, this will be the uh, the year, I think, that we see a real impact in terms of AI on customer and user experiences. Uh, now, I want to talk to a person is the constant refrain you, oh, yes. you hear from people. Um, and that's because, you know, previous chatbots uh, have been a very kind of limited use because they're their understanding of your voice and your tone, their comprehension mm. of your needs and questions, what you want, was very limited. But these agents are getting better all of the time. Um, Post Malaysia's Ask Post chatbot is a really good example. Uh, it's way better than talking to a lot of humans. <laughs> and it spins you over really easily into chat with an actual person once it can't answer your your query and of course it's doing it yeah and it's doing it bilingually as well it's oh, doing yeah. it in english and parts of malaysia um so as we spend sort of more time shopping online uh, obviously brands are looking for more ways to to interact with us and ai is going to play a big role in taking us from you know that comment on a post mm. or seeing an ad and moving us into a branded environment where they can convert that kind of eyeball and attention into a, a, a definite sale. Okay. What about the tech itself, you know, more in terms of those developmental or expansionary aspects? A very big question for the last 30 seconds of the show. <laughs> I can um, maybe give you 45. Okay. Um, I don't know what progress we'll see in terms of the development of AGI, um, mm. general intelligence, um, but I do expect to see a lot more debate about whether we should proceed with AGI, I think we're going to see a lot more of the yeah. kind of ethical concerns yeah. relating to AGI. Uh, we're starting to see um, the limits of LLMs and, the, you know, the, the 
the size that the models can get and the number of parameters that they can handle if what I'm reading is correct. So that might be something that pushes the AGI debate further because we've quickly reach the upper limits of what LLMs can actually do for us. Uh, but I also think that it's going to spur the development of those uh, much smaller and targeted language models that we've talked about a few times over mm. the past few months, because cost is going to be a big issue for, for companies. Do you invest huge sums in uh, LLM-based systems, or do you put that money into small models that may be less versatile overall, but actually meet your specific goals uh, a lot more effectively and do it um, with a lot less compute power and a lot less associated cost? Mm. Uh, legal issues, I think, are also going to be an issue for AI adoption, uh, sort of corporate AI adoption this year. Uh, court cases over intellectual property, um, plagiarism uh, are, are likely to arise because we still have this absence of clear governmental rules and guidance uh, in a lot of places. So I think we're going to see a lot more court cases um, being brought to actually bring these kind of de facto judgments for organizations seeking to clarify how the technology can be used in society. So I think it's going to be uh, another turbulent formative year for AI, which isn't surprising because yeah. AI has gone from, you know, nowhere to everywhere again in the space of 12 months. Yeah. So, it, you know, we can't expect all of the, the the regulatory framework to just fall into place on, on demand. Um, in terms of the fun stuff, I mean, we're almost bored with the idea of AI-generated images now. Yeah, I mean, so passe, Matt. But but that's the point. I mean, that was kind of the point I was trying to make with cars as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you have a, a an eighteen month lead time for an electric vehicle, nobody's interested anymore. I mean, look yeah. at the uh, the Tesla Cybertruck that came out finally at the end of. Uh, 2023, and of course, looked like something that was brand new and exciting in 2019. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, okay, uh, it's a shiny aluminium cheese wedge. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I think we're, we're likely to see considerable advances in um, uh command to video, so video generation, and command to music, again, music generative systems mm. this year. Uh, there are some already out there. Some of us have tried them, but, you know, they're very basic. They're a little rough. The video, often it's only mm. sort of two or two or three seconds. So I think that's where we're going to see the kind of consumer content end of this kind of generative AI. Final question there. <laughs> And this could be important, uh, disinformation. Because of things like, you know, video to command and uh, command to video and whatever, and command to music, are we likely to see more disinformation as a result in 2024, do you think? Yeah, and uh, I actually did my due diligence and uh, did some research for this bit. Um, there are genuinely dozens of parliamentary and presidential elections scheduled for 2024. Yeah. I was actually going to come out with a list, but there, there's something like 30 or 40. So, Oof. I mean, it's just 
there's just a colossal number. For some reason, they all seem to be dovetailing because, you know, different countries, four years, five years, seven years, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them seem to dovetail in 2024. Malaysia, strangely, is likely to be one of the, the few quiet spots. So uh, while global attention will focus on the U.S. election cycle, uh, activist groups, whether they're state-sponsored or otherwise, I think are going to be testing and honing disinformation techniques using AI on some of those less headline-grabbing national elections mm, mm. around the world. Uh, as the world's largest democracy, um, India's election is going to be one to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, you know, with all of this going on, we're seeing this growing detachment of Gen Zers from um, from technology as they choose to to go analog rather than digital, which we're seeing in this uh, upshot in the take up of books, film cameras, yeah. Yeah. you know, things that don't give you that on demand gratification that we used to with digital technology. Um, but again, we'll come back to them. We'll cover the digital fogies in a, a future mm -hmm. episode. Uh, and I did want to sort of try and leave on a reasonably upbeat note today. And just to say that I'm not downbeat about 2024 at all, because misery is my currency. No, um, at, <laughs> at least not in terms of technology. Sorry, I think I just blew Richard's headphones out. Um, but I do think it's going to be uh, another buckle up and see where it takes us type of year. Excellent. Great review of 2023. Thanks, Matt. My pleasure. Now, um, if you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally listen to it from. We recommend that BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also follow Matt on his uh, Substack at culturepop.substack.com. He's on X at Culture Matt, uh, Instagram, usual stuff. Search for Culture Pop or Culture Matt and you'll find him one way or another. He doesn't hide very well. Right, Matt? <laughs> For somebody who's not seen in public, no, I'm very visible digitally. <laughs> indeed, indeed. This, of course, has been Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.